The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in possible. Welcome back to One Royal Way here on Kansas City Sports Network. I'm Joel Penfield. Jordan Foote and Josh Kaiser joining me as always. A little bit of an impromptu episode. We really weren't going to kick off our 2023 coverage for about another month or so, but the Royals actually did stuff in the last couple of weeks uh, of the offseason. Figured it would be worth getting on to talk to you guys about it. Uh, this show, as always, brought to you by Kansas City Strength and Conditioning. Be sure to go check them out. If you have a baseball or softball player in the area that needs a place to train, one of the best in the area, the home of Scott Barlow in the offseason. Uh, gentlemen, how are you doing? Uh, it's been a little bit since we've recorded like the middle of November. Uh, and then we kind of took a little bit of a break for the holidays, let the, the NFL content machine do its thing. And now we're, we're starting to ramp up a little bit. I want to hear from you, Josh. How are you doing, sir? How's it going? Um, my day has been good. I, I was practicing gymnastics. Uh, I should say it was good until I was practicing gymnastics, me of all people on this earth with my daughter. And I stuck my hand into the ceiling fan. So <laughs> it was going very well up until that point, but we're good after that. I'm, I'm happy to happy to be on with you guys. Jordan, how are you? I'm good, man. I, I can't complain if I did, nobody would listen. So um, I think that's <laughs> fantastic. Sure royal fan, apparently people just want us to complain all the time. <laughs> Nothing yeah, happy, or, nothing positive. Or they want you to listen to theirs. But I mean, that's kind of, um, yeah. I'm going to stop myself before I get ahead. So I, I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking, Josh. J- Josh, did your How daughter you? learn any, did, did your daughter learn any new words when you stuck your hand in said ceiling fan? Uh, no, I was very good about censoring myself. I've gotten really good with it so far. So, uh, uh, yeah, she didn't learn anything and maybe she just knew them and, and she just knows not to use them too. She's good at censoring herself too, but, but yeah, I kept my cool outside of, but, uh, that's the extent of it got but jewel. What about you? How was your day? Oh, hanging in there, man. Work is busy as always. And that's why I'm, I'm glad I get to sit down and do this because, mm-hmm. yeah. The, the work day and not being able to do sports for a living drives me nuts. So that's why I'm glad to have this uh, as a nice outlet. Thank you to everybody uh, listening on our uh, KCSN, Kansas City Royal, Spotify, or iTunes channel. Be sure to subscribe if you have not already and subscribe to everything we're doing at KCSN. Obviously, AFC Championship this weekend. It's going to be a, a huge, huge weekend for content. All our guys are at the East West Shrine Bowl, so check out the content they have over there. The, so as I mentioned off the top, the Royals actually have done stuff. It's been a fairly quiet offseason, a couple free agent moves. Ryan Yarborough, 
uh, Jordan Lyles were the the two main ones, at least in December. You know, not much to write home about there, but you know, I think it it helps to some degree and at least some some veteran presence there in the rotation. Uh, we still don't know if the Royals are going to sign Zach Greinke, but in the last week. We have a free agent signing and two trades, back-to-back trades within about 12 hours of each other. Uh, and the potential for more as well as reported, we'll, we'll hit that at the very end. We'll go backwards in like the most recent thing we'll hit first and work our way back down. So Adalberto Mondesi traded to the Boston Red Sox for Josh Taylor, left-handed reliever, uh, and a player to be named later. This was an obvious move. To me, at least, I, I know there was a lot of people that wanted, were wanting to put Mondesi in the picture for the Royals in 2023 in some capacity. Uh, a bench guy, third base, no one really knew. But with one year left, and the, there's zero guarantee that he was going to be healthy for a long period of time, you, you might as well make the move now. The Royals did it. Uh, it sucks because the, he is a supremely talented player. There's no denying that. But he, we never got to see it. Uh, David Lesky tweeted this earlier today that uh, he played in 211 of a possible 546 games over the course of the last four seasons. I understand maybe the Royals want to hang on to him and trade him later after a little bit more production and get a little bit more than a reliever and uh, a player to be named later, but who knows if he gets hurt 15 games into the season like he did this past year. So this is a, a solid move. I understand that it takes some a hit to the infield depth, but I don't see him fact. I didn't see him factoring in much this year. Anyway, what, what do you guys think? Josh, we'll start with you. Uh, first off, do we need to clarify? I think the, the player to be named is coming from Kansas city, right? Oh, is it? Or is it yeah. coming from? Yeah. No, it's fun okay, to see the NBL or however, whatever the acronym so is. Whoever, however you want to feel about this trade might, maybe or may not depend on who you, how you feel about where that player it, to be named it's later. It's and Josh. So, Josh, we're we're sorry, but good luck in Boston. But hopefully, oh, you, uh, sweet Jesus, get along. Um, I I do love uh, both the departed, the town, and Dropkick Murphys are uh, big loves of my life. So I'll fit right in in Boston. So uh, looking forward to that and the seafood. Um, as far as the trade goes, I, I'm I have always wanted Mondesi to work out. I'm not alone in that. I may be the last one still on that hill. Um, I and I've been very adamant about trying to figure out what's going to happen at third base uh, this year, both short-term and long-term. It seemed like Mondesi might have been that guy in 2023 just to see if he's got one last ride in him. Um, and then it turns out not the case. So obviously I'm, I'm not uh, super happy that it happened, but I do understand it. You can't count on it. He never should lived up to the potential that they were kind of waiting him for. Um, he was never really showing his patience at the plate, which kind of, you know, leads to production at the plate never showed he was going to ever be uh, on base guy so i think that always capped his ceiling never stayed healthy so it's just you know it is what it is it's tough to see i'm excited about the potential of josh taylor the guy coming over in the trade another left-handed reliever um and we can maybe we can break down that part but just on the modesty side of it i don't um, I don't like giving up, but I do understand it. Jordan, I'm I'm curious. To, you had a lot to uh, kind of report on with your press conference with JJ today, and I I was really pumped to to see that. Yeah. Um. So I I kind of I'm glad that you went with Josh first, Joel, because like I I didn't want to come off as a Mondesi hater, and I'm definitely not. He's such a talented kid, and I think even JJ made the point mentally. It's not like he didn't want it to work out. It's not like the Royals didn't want it to work out. 
it was unfortunate. Um, but there are people, man, and this isn't Josh, this is people on Twitter and, and Facebook, and we know how Facebook is, but it, it kind of bled into Twitter as well, um, who act like he's a star player, like actually is a star player right now. Now, could he turn into one? It would take a lot to break right, like in terms of health and fortune and like solving. He could probably do it even without the strikeout problems, but you're looking at a three-year peak of a 113 weighted runs created plus. He was worth two and a half wins on fan grabs. He had a good season in 2018. Came back in 2019, played a career high in games, was worth another two and a half. Then in the uh, pandemic shortened season, was worth 1.4. And that was kind of like the apex of Adalberto Mondesi, that three-year stretch. Then came back in 2021, got banged up. He was known for like having these one-month stretches where he's like prime Mike Trout and then really bad for the rest. Mm-hmm. He never fixed the strikeout problems, never really started taking walks. Um, he's a flawed player, and he's probably going to be a flawed player forever. But if you can get 100 games of him or if things break absolutely perfectly a full season of that with the defense, with the speed, he can be good. Um, but back to... JJ Piccolo, he spoke with the media on what day are we recording this Tuesday? All the days blend together. It's all the same. Um, but on, <laughs> yeah. on Tuesday afternoon, he talked, and I don't want to say that he was a little bit too transparent, but I was kind of surprised about how he talked about the situation. He was like, Yeah, I think it's good for Mondesi. I think Mondi will tell you that he wanted something like this. I don't want to speak for him. I can't speak for him, but. I think that he knew he needed something like this. He was having frustrations throughout his tenure. Didn't make it. He didn't frame it like Mondesi didn't like being a Royal, but I think at a certain point, man, and this would happen with just about anybody at a certain point when you're getting this advice from a medical team and a training staff, even if it's the right advice and the Royals don't have, you know, injury problems or anything like that. If it's not working and you're still getting hurt, I'd be pissed off too. I'd be pissed off at myself. I'd be pissed off at the manager. I'd be pissed off at the team training staff trying to come up with these like preventative maintenance plans. It's like the, in regular life, you take care of your car, you get your oil change, you rotate your tires and stuff still breaks down. You're like, damn it. I I don't need this. I didn't do anything wrong. Something like that. And Mondesi, he just has a bunch of stuff that goes wrong. The wheels fall off. He has a blowout. You know, the the engine seizes or whatever it is. Um, it was unfortunate, but JJ was really telling. And he basically, a long road to a short point, he was ready for it. And I think Mondesi was also ready for it, too. I think the change of scenery happened a little late for him, too. I, I think yeah. there could have, yeah. there should have been an avenue to move him after before last season, give him two years in a place and let him acclimate and, and go from there. But he has a change of scenery in a contract year. We all know what the contract year does, even for players that have not necessarily reached their potential. Sometimes it ends up working out favorably. Now, Boston's a brutal market uh, compared mm-hmm. to Kansas City. If he sucks, it he can't hide from that, uh, which is necessarily they didn't like he can here. Uh, so that I do worry about because there's uh, there is some of the stuff between the years and some of the stuff he's gone through. I wouldn't wish upon anybody. You know, your you know his dad's in jail. He lost his best friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jordano Ventura really young. I mean, that's that's tough for anybody to go through. Uh, so it's not just the stuff on the field that I that hurts. Uh, you know, my heart does hurt for him because 
we, we've seen those stretches where it's like, damn, there is a legit top 15, 20 player in the sport in there somewhere. And it just hasn't come out yet. And I hope that maybe he has that opportunity. He's still, I don't even think he's, he's like 26, 27. It's 27. So long yeah. run there. It, yeah. It's crazy. Can, I mean, he can have another point. change of scenery after that with, with, yeah, Boston. exactly. Goes, yeah. And like, I, yeah. I hope that, and I hope he gets that on the Royal side of things. Now they get Josh Taylor. He missed all of last season. I believe it was a back injury, uh, mm-hmm. but in yep. 2021, he had a, he was a one win player, uh, three, four ERA, uh, 61 appearances uh, for the Red Sox in 47 two thirds innings. He's not a huge striker guy, but he's not really going to walk a ton. Just a, you know, a solid option for the Royals and, the bullpen was a, a problem last year. Now I think some of the bullpen problems were more that starting rotation couldn't go deep into games. So it was kind of a chicken or the egg situation of which was actually yeah. bad. But this is just another option. It helps upgrade the bullpen. I'm I think the Royals made out pretty nicely here. I don't think it was a I don't think they got slighted at all. Uh, I think J- and Josh Taylor has three years of control as well. Now he's yeah. a little older. He's going into he's going to be thirty, I believe, this season. Mm-hmm. Let's see when his birthday yep. is. I think in March. Yeah, he's going to be going in, essentially 30, going yeah. into the season at at thirty with three years of control. So that's that's certainly not a bad option at all for the Royals to get three years of control from a reliever out of this. Well, and you and no, go ahead, Josh. And you want to talk about like a specialist against lefties in his hundred and two major league innings. A 0.89 whip. Mm-hmm. Uh, he still had an 8% walk yeah. rate. He's still striking dudes out of the 31% clip in that 102 major go. league innings. This is a lefty specialist. The righty part, not so great. He's like a 1.7 whip. Uh, we're going to deny. He'll we're going to completely be, ignore that. He'll be like as close to a loogie as you can get with a three batter minimum. Yeah. <laughs> like he'll be yeah. like kind of a, like you, if you get like what you got out of Amir Garrett, when they actually started using yeah. Amir Garrett as that kind of lefty, you know, hey, get me one out and then maybe get me another two in the next inning and then you'll go before you face too many rounds. After he, after he went outside situation. the organization to get tips. But, however, in fairness, Shout out he, is under, he is under, you know, um, I don't know what the word, new management now that will get him settled. So Hopefully so. Um, but Josh, I, I was, I was, I was going to say that same thing. So, yeah, the I've kind of said it. Uh, I can't remember if it was on this podcast, the Royals Farm Report podcast with the shift going away. It's going to bring back that left handed pitching, especially against relievers, bring back that extra value, especially against matchups. And, and that's going to increase exponentially if you can get righties out, too. That's yeah. not going to be the case with Josh Taylor, I don't think, especially if he can stay healthy. Obviously, that's a question with the back. It's never good that you have a back issue that you miss the entire season for. But with the added value to lefties, it does seem like JJ in this front office sees that as well and has started to add, uh, at least with Taylor and a couple of these uh, uh, additions that we're going to talk about, um, he sees that value as well. And that's kind of potentially why we're kind of focusing in on these left-handed relievers. Well, and I don't want to get too far ahead, but to build off what you said, though, um, Evan Sisk is a lefty specialist, a guy that gave up like a, what, 180 uh, OPS last season in the minor leagues, whatever it was. It was under 200 against left-handed batters. Mm-hmm. The Royals are building a bullpen that has depth in abundance. Yeah. Like, they're going to have tough decisions to make in terms of who they keep and who they don't. They have guys with options to where they can bring them up and – send them down throughout the year. Injuries are going to happen under performance. Someone's not going to make it. Someone's going to get, 
you know, being the left, uh, the odd man out in that little spot there. Also, like you said, 2021, his slash allowed 146, 222, 159. Like he is a lefty specialist through and through. Like we said, the righty's not too good. Um, but the Royals know that, and they're going to be armed with that data. They're going to be armed with more than the data we even have to use those guys in the right situations. And if some guys on the 10 day IL or 15 day IL or whatever it is now, no big deal. You have somebody else who specializes in close to the same thing, going to be different stuff, going to be different arm angles, going to be different extensions and all that good stuff with guys, but they have specialists. Now they have depth now, might not be good depth. Like we don't know yet exactly how some of these guys are going to do, but with the new pitching coach, with a new staff in place, with new guys in place, I think it's kind of a good yin and yang compared to keeping some of the guys that they already had to. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. When was the last time so I'm the bullpen could potentially trade. rock like five relief, left-handed relievers deep between Chapman, uh, Taylor, Amir, uh, Garrett, Richard Love, and then Dicky Love, and then Misovich? Royals have I mean, some lefties in the lefties, lineup and yeah. in the and, and in the pitching staff. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It'll it'll be interesting to see how that works out. But before we move on to the Michael e. Taylor trade, so people of the the common bitch fest on social media 
all offseason has been the JJ's just dating 2.0. And this is just a clone. Mm-hmm. This everything is awful. Our pets' heads are falling off, and this is terrible. <laughs> does Dayton trade Mondesi? I don't think he does. It, I mean, if it's even remotely kind of what Jordan's saying, that Mondesi also wants to leave, then maybe it's a little bit more possible. But I think Mondesi or Dayum was absolutely one of these guys that are like, very much dependent and in investing in Mondesi's future as a Royal. So probably not. Yeah. I don't know if stubborn is the right word for it. Cause that has like a negative connotation and also like loyal I think to it a was fault. Just that, loyal that, to a fault. Yeah. That's him. I think some of it is, I, I didn't really realize it too much at the time, but like they brought him up to the majors when he was 1920 and kind of rushed yeah. him. And then he, which stunted the development. And now we've seen kind of how it's gone. So I wonder if there was a certain amount of like, trying to make it work and like forcing it to work. Yeah. Trying to justify that the decision to bring him up when they did like for the 2015 world series and stuff like that. I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm spitballing, but we, I don't want to, I don't want to ramble too well, on, too far on with this. And I just very, very quickly, I'm going to probably refer back to JJ's press conference just because it's fresh on my mind. I sat through yeah, the absolutely. whole thing and like Go, tweeted should. and had it in my head. Um, he used the word excited right off like literally no hesitation one of the reporters like how did Mondesi react he was like he was excited like he's excited for a fresh start he he was ready to go and I think mentally this is going to be just as big for him as it is physically in Boston a little bit iffy on opening day maybe he's ready maybe he's not um JJ sounded confident in the knee recovering um so he also I don't want to leave out he wished the best for me he's like love the kid love the player just didn't work out like to wrap it up with a bow, it's the best thing for both sides. Regardless of what Josh Taylor turns out to be, like just the move in a vacuum probably needed to happen anyway, regardless of third base reps, all that good stuff. Um, good for the Royals to finally move on, I, I guess, from this era, and good for Mondesi to get, while he's only 27 and still has something to build off of, kind of get that fresh start. Yeah. Okay, so the next trade the Royals made, which was – on Monday, Monday evening, they traded Michael A. Taylor to the Minnesota Twins for two minor league relievers, Evan Sisk and Steven Cruz. This was one that I think is interesting for a couple of reasons. One, the Royals gave Michael A. Taylor a two-year deal for a reason, but they decided to trade him on that last year. A-plus, good decision. Um, Michael A. Taylor is not going to be on the next good Royals team. They weren't going to bring him back for 24, I would imagine. So might as well get him value out of him. Similarly to Mossy with one year left, get what you can. Uh, but this is also interesting because they made a move in division, which was something that Dayton Moore was very averse to would not do it. The Royals make a trade in division and send Michael A. Taylor to the twins where they already have a lot of outfielders. So that's going to be interesting how that side of it works out in that roster construction. But I'm glad they made the decision they did. Um, I think they traded him late. I think they should have traded him at the deadline last year, but that's all hindsight at this point. The bottom line is the Royals have an opportunity to give any sort of combination of young, young outfielders, the at-bats, without blocking them with veterans that are not, not going to be on the next good team. This, in a year that is going to be all about evaluation for the Royals, you need to evaluate Drew Waters and Edward Olivares and Kyle Isbell and eventually Tyler Gentry, Nick Lofton, um, MJ Melendez in left field, if you really think he's going to be the guy there. 
now you can do it without needing to figure out how to get the veteran in there and how to get the mainstay in center field in there. You can put anybody you want out there and just see how this is going to work out with so many guys needing the apps in a year where you really need to evaluate what you have in them. Yeah, yeah. completely agree. It's I think most people that have been writing about this or talking about it are talking about the big win here is a the money. It's not that much money, but it does free up a little bit, and those extra reps for Waters, for Isabel, for Oliveras, for Melendez and Eaton. Um, those are all guys that we need Nate to see Eaton, what they've got. What's up? No, I was saying Nate Eaton. I because at this point, like I, I mentioned Eaton in my tweet last night, but with the Mondesi move, I have him penciled in at third base now, so I didn't even think about him. That's fine. I he was just an absolute electric factory out in center field sure. that I never He's saw awesome. coming last He's year. Awesome. Yeah, just all all around utility guy. But it, regardless of where you see him, you want to see these guys out there. You want to see what they got and what they're bringing to the table. Mike Michael A. Taylor seemed like a great dude, great locker room. Everybody in the locker room seemed to love him. Um, it, I mean, the Nationals fan base loved him when he came over. Told us how much we were going to enjoy him. We did. Very calm, cool, collected dude, and he brought some great moments for this fan base. But like you said, he needs to be a fourth outfielder on a contender somewhere. He is now a fourth, maybe fifth outfielder. He might even get a whole lot of uh, starts for them out out in the outfield for Minnesota. So uh, good luck to Michael A. Taylor. Thanks for the memories, but I'm uh, excited to see what uh, the young core and whatever they do to bring in any kind of depth can do for this Royals team, both now and long term. Yeah. No, 100%. And two, two things off of that. One, people either gave Michael A. Taylor the appropriate amount of respect for his tenure as role, which they should have. He won a gold glove. He was an outstanding defender. He played, for his standards, competent offensive baseball. For his standards, again, not you know big yeah. league standards. on a, <laughs> on a, But for his standards, he was fine. Then there are people who sell him short. Nobody like gives him too much credit. There's a lot of people still, though, that are like, Man, he was a bum. He was terrible. He was worth the money the Royals paid him when they got him and the money they were paying him and were going to pay him this year via an extension. And fan graphs, I personally don't put too much into it. I'll use it in an article when I need to. Their value, like at the very bottom of the thing, they had him like oh, double the war value. Yeah. And I don't really buy too much into that, but he clearly was worth what the Royals were giving him. So that part he needs to be reflected on positively. And also again, with the JJ press conference or zoom, whatever you want to call it, press conference, zoom meeting, whatever. Um, he, he made it a point to bring up Kyle Isbell's name multiple times in multiple scenarios. And was like, he gets fantastic jumps, which obviously he does last year, back that up. He plays really good defense. They want to see what he can do in center field. Now he also at the same time, brought up Drew Waters and talked about his offensive potential and they want to see him play more defense. Then was like, we don't really foresee having a rotation in center field. So I don't know if they're going to like go based off spring training and say, Hey, Drew, you won the job or Hey, Kyle, we're going to give you a hundred games. Drew, you're going to get 50 and not be a rotation. But he like made it sound like somebody is going to get majority reps out there. But they want to see more of both guys. And I thought Drew Waters, just based off the prospect profile and the unknown and the conventional wisdom and the sample size last year, would clearly get the job unless he stunk it up in the spring. But maybe, you know, Kyle Isbell's getting some sort of love. I don't know if Edward Olivares is going to turn into 
Amondesi situation where he just can't stay healthy and has some potential and they give up on him or what. But Kylo's ball got a lot more love than I thought he was going to. I mean, okay, so what does your starting outfield look like on opening day? Melendez, Waters, and Olivares. Eh, or Isbell, either one of them. I don't really have a, a clear thing between the two. Yeah, I would probably be in agreement with with that. Um, I think it largely depends on what happens with Prado because if that DH yeah. spot is open at that point, then you can put Olivares in. He's not a defensive liability out in the outfield. You have a pretty yeah. solid defensive outfield between Isbell Waters and Melendez. I think that's a win-win in that situation. All of our is begging for more reps, just can't stay healthy. And maybe protecting him in a DH is the way to do that. Yeah, I I, I could see that uh, in a. It's it's kind of tough because I think there's multiple combinations they can go to, which isn't a bad thing. In a year, mm-hmm. like, as I mentioned at the very beginning of this, like you need to get every guy in there that you can. So I could see a scenario where we get a an Isbell Waters Olivares outfield. You can get a uh, you can get an Eaton Melendez Isbell outfield. You can get Waters Melendez. Uh, like anybody out, like you can get a Prado out there too if they really want to throw him yeah. out there just to get him in the lineup. So, yeah. I the there's a lot there's a huge roster crunch with only 26, and I think there's like 29 guys probably deserving to be on the opening day roster. Uh, just off the top of my head, it's going to be interesting how this all oh. all plays out. But good problem to have because it's not like you're trying to find a way to get Ryan freaking her in the lineup or <laughs> well, and know, or honestly at this point, like you have capable, solid young guys that deserve to be in the lineup, and it's just a matter of finding the right combination. Well, and they just traded the guy who was getting majority center field reps, and they still have stuff to figure out. So, like, that tells you how big of a deal this trade was. And, like, I think Josh brought up people are saying the biggest win is, you know, whatever. My title for the article I wrote on Inside the Royals was literally, like, the biggest win doesn't involve the prospect return. Like they can, mm. we'll we'll touch on those two guys quickly, but they could turn out to be whatever. Right now, the biggest win is for them to do what they kind of hinted at doing and made baby steps towards doing on a minor scale last year and letting the kids play, regardless of how good the kids are, regardless of who weeds themselves out, who gets hurt, whatever. They're going to know after this year who's a part of the next core without wasting another year and saying in 2024, well, we have to play this guy, this guy, this guy losing another year of service time with some guys, they're going to know mostly what it looks like. Um, and trading Michael A. Taylor was like step one. It had to happen in order for that to take place. So the two guys they got in return were, they got two relievers from Minnesota, got Evan Sisk, a lefty. He is 25, uh, going to be 26 right on beginning of the minor league season. A lefty, he Crossfire sidearm, it's funky. I was told by someone in the organization, just an absolute nightmare of an at bat if you're a lefty because the ball basically starts behind you, uh, just because of yeah. how lanky he is. He's only like 6'2, but you can tell like he's got kind of long arms and is able to get throws from like a sidearm low three quarter. It's just it's weird, but it works. Um, not a ton of walks, not a t- not a crazy strikeout guy, but certainly a, a le- lefty specialist type. You can see he had a sub two ERA between AAA and Double uh, A this year uh, in Minnesota, and then Stephen Cruz uh, is going to be twenty four, six foot seven, 
throws about 100, 100, 101 miles an hour, has no idea where it's going, but he throws 100 miles an hour, and that in and of itself is fun. You're listening to the fastest-growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Entertain, educate, inform. KC Sports Network. I think that about sums up Stephen Cruz's scouting report. What else do you guys have to add? <laughs> I, I just sat there. I was like, I mean, that's about it, dude. Like, yeah. Evan Sisk has, he saw a little bit of a spike in his walks per nine from double A AA to AAA, and that, you know, kind of that's expected. To be expected. But still, yeah, exactly. He, he's going to get past guys. He doesn't have, ironically, like, he doesn't have overpowering stuff. But when you factor in just the arm angle and JJ compared him, he called him a funky lefty, which Twitter was ablaze with on Monday night. He also compared him to Tim Hill. He's like, that's the closest comp I can have in terms of guys who have pitched for the Royals from that side. Um, That was interesting to say. It also shows that he like remembers everything pretty much because Tim Hill was like several years ago, right? Unless my memory's off. Yeah. He got traded in 2020 to the Twins. It was the, yeah. It was the Oliveras trade. Yeah, it was. No, yeah. it was a different one. It seems the like Olivares so much longer was the ago. Rosenthal. They had some now, wa- like weird, oh, wild that, trades. Uh, Tim Hill was the Franchi Cordero trade. Rose legend Franchi mm. Cordero. Yeah, I thought that was Cordero, Bolaños, and Oliveras. But maybe I could be wrong. Oh, no, it no, might they, have been. They made, two, they made two trades with the Padres. Because they made That's that one before where the season started. Up. And then the deadline, they got Oliveras and Bolaños for Rosenthal. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that makes sense. But yeah, it, it's, yeah, the sinker slider is absolutely devastating. I mean, you said he doesn't strike out a lot, but he's still at a 29.8% K rate yeah. uh, mm-hmm. between double A AA and triple A and pay that with a 56% ground ball rate um, yeah. with that sinker. That's absolutely, that'll do. That'll do just fine. If he's the only, I mean, he's walking 11.4% guys in double A AA and triple A, but his whip is still 102. So it's not like that was hurting him in the slightest. Maybe they were using him for matchup against lefties again, who only hit 80 against him. 80 was the average against Ridiculous. him. 180. Uh, so, so I'm excited to see what Sis does. Another- I, I'm not sure about Cruz. His, his, the velo is great. I'm always going to bet on dudes that can hit, uh, hit triple digits. I want to see the control issues kind of come down. But at this point, you know, you never know on those guys. I'll bet on them. It's a fun lottery ticket, but we'll see. So interesting note on Evan Sisk in, let me see here. We got, I'm trying to find total innings here. Someone could help me. Total innings win. 
like total, just like total innings in the minors. Cause I think he's, he's only given up nine home runs in the minors and he's been in yeah, the minors. Last year, he didn't give up any. He gave up two all of last season. Two. Yeah. yeah. And those were probably 20 some innings in double A. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gave up two in double A. Yep. So bottom line, like that's a guy that it, that is his combination of not giving up home runs, hitting on the ball on the ground. Hey, that works. Like that mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. even if he's not going to strike out a ton, even if he walks a couple of guys, like, he walks a guy, he can easily get a ground ball and get a double yep. play and get out of the inning. So that is a very valuable piece, and it adds another element to the bullpen. We talked about there being multiple lefties now, but you think about the just the arm angles that the Royals are going to be able to throw at guys. Because I think mm. Sisk ends up in the bullpen at some point this season. Neither yep. of these guys are on the 40, but yeah. Sisk feels like a guy, if he has a really good start to the year, that they throw in the bullpen with Garrett and, uh, and Chapman and go, hey – Go get us an out uh, because we really we really need this lefty. I mean, it's going to be a tough at bat for anybody. Jose Quas, uh, like freaking talk Qu- about a weirdo. Quas Barlow like Stallman yeah. comes straight over the top. Um, like it's like the building. Remember, I think it was like the twenty twenty playoffs when the Rays uh, were throwing like their bullpen. They showed like the clock yeah. of like yeah. oh, the Royals are building something like that. Gosh. Yeah. I, I thought you were going to say, remember when they were building HDH? I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't, <laughs> no, don't, no, no, don't, no, 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 that is like, its own <laughs> yeah, category. remember that that's going to be 2022 or sorry. No, but like they're thing. building like the clock with all the different <laughs> arm angles so that even if you, they don't have elite stuff, like you're at least seeing something different every inning. And yeah. that has its own positive, like that has its own great positive impact because you mm-hmm. can't just sit on one flat fastball arm angle the entire time. The other part about this that is interesting to me is the connection with Zach Bovey. Like, yep. yes, it, it is clear that he you know, definitely maybe for these guys. Yeah, maybe Minnesota was the only t- the only buyers of Michael A. Taylor, and just happens to be we 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 want Josh Winder. No, you can't have Josh Winder. Okay, well, how about these two guys? And hopefully, it worked out. Like Bovey had these two dudes earmarked. Can't imagine why a six seven two twenty five giant that pumps gas. And this other very effective, yeah, it makes no sense. Throwing lefty, I can't imagine why he marked him, but it is for damn good reason. And JJ and and Sweeney both were like, "Yeah, giddy up, let's let's make this work and make this happen." So I hope that that's just a sign of the uh, synchronization that's already kind of happening in that front office that uh, that Bobby's already got a voice in it, and it's already you know uh, influencing some big decisions from uh, from a front front office standpoint. Well, and you know what, Josh, when Matt Quichar did his intro press conference, and I think he did like a couple subsequent like interviews with uh, MLB.com, MLB Network, he mentioned collaboration a ton. A lot. And was like, we want departments that will collaborate. I don't know what the Royals departments were like before with Mike <laughs> Matheny and all those guys in Dayton Moore. I, they obviously still talk to each other. Like, it wasn't like they just went to work right. and didn't cross-collaborate. But this group specifically – very 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 focused on that and if there's a guy you like tell me about him let's do it if there's a guy you don't like let's talk about it if there's an idea you have let's talk about it this isn't always going to come to fruition in terms of big trades and big free agent signings or any of that or linking up like there won't be this like it's like a coaching tree basically except it's a player Mm -hmm. tree and everything comes back to like zach bovey or matt quichar or somebody like that but a lot of it will in some way, shape, yeah. or form, whether it was he told me about him or his friend put me on this or whatever, that sometimes can be a bad thing. But majority of the time, 
having background, having that collaboration. I think that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the la- okay, so we got the last move. This is a free agent move that was made last week that set Royal Twitter on fire. Um, <laughs> it was reported, I think it was last Monday, that the Royals were the Royals, the Padres, and the Marlins were interested in Aroldis Chapman, which I was like, wait. What what is happening here? I I kind of forgot that he was a free agent, yeah. so that was a little bizarre. I thought it was like they're interested like in a trade with the Yankees, but that, he was in the last year of that deal. Then it was announced last Tuesday that the Royals signed Aroldis Chapman to a one year, three point seven five million dollar deal, super incentive laden deal. Um, so I'm gonna try to hit this from a couple angles, and I'm not gonna go too far down one of the paths because I'm not gonna try and act holier than thou under the guise of some sort of moral superiority. That's not my thing. From a pure baseball perspective, this is an upgrade in the bullpen. It's a one-year deal. There's no such thing as no as a bad one-year deal. If he's bad, if he is basically like the same thing he was at the end of the year for the Yankees, okay, one year, cut him, be done, and, and move on. And if he's really good and reclaims some of his prime and there's still a little bit left in the tank, then you flip him at the deadline and you move on. I, I think that that's the best case for this is that the Royals are able to trade him and get something out of him in a buy. And it always the reliever market's always a buyer's market. at The deadline, you can get teams to overpay for relievers, get something for him. On the flip side here, there is a serious checkered pass with Aroldis Chapman. If you want to look up what happened, go Google that yourself. I'm not going to relitigate that. This is not a move the Royals normally make, so this is not necessarily conversations that we need to have, that we usually have as Royals fans or Royals podcasters, that the Royals get a guy that's, you know, got some legal issues in the past. But it's 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 weird, but I... What do you guys think here? I'm, I'm kind of... I'm kind of indifferent on it. Like I, I'm trying to see both sides of it rather than. I, Mr. Josh, I've got to ask. Um, I, I just want your opinion on this before I was going to take mine. And I was like, I want to hear from Josh first, actually. Uh, okay. So let's, let's just rehash this, this, this checkered pass that we're talking about here. The domestic violence allegations that kind of came and then went away, fired a gun, intimidating his fiance, whatever you want to call it, um, served a suspension for it. Not, not signs of a good dude, not even remotely signs of a good dude. And I get that. I understand why fans and people are heated over this, uh, this transaction because of it. Uh, that's not the only thing that's kind of concerning that, I mean, that is concerning. The other part is, is that he missed a workout uh, going into the postseason for the Yankees last year. They left him off the postseason roster because of it. There was some kind of falling out there. He was not really that effective anyways, but it, it's just, I, I, that is another red flag in this. So it's kind of that mixed in with the tough peripherals production wise last year makes me wonder about the juice versus squeeze ratio. Is this all worth bringing him on? It's not a big hit. 3.75 million on a 1 million one or 3.7 million dollar hit on the payroll is not that much, even for the Royals, no matter what, whatever you want to call about the small market stuff, whatever. It's not that big of a deal on the Royals. I, I, I just, like Joel was saying, the, it's the usual reclamation project, except it's a little bit higher profile. He's got way more electric stuff than the usual reclamation project. So it might 
be a higher ceiling that you're dealing from come July. There's also a very, very real possibility that you split a fan base, which seems like you kind of already have in that realm, and you could split a locker room very easily. It's going to be on Matt Cotraro to 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 mold to smooth all these rough waters over. Potentially, these are potential rough waters. So it, it makes me wonder about the juice versus the squeeze from a baseball standpoint. I get it. It's it's a good it's a good situation for baseball wise for non baseball and locker room stuff. I feel like it's a very 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 risky move. That's where I'm at. Jordan, where are you at? I think. You mentioned the uh, juice versus the squeeze ratio of it. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm at. I'm like, he's what, 34? He's going to be 35. He has the checkered pass, which, you know, it's very hard to distinguish between that sometimes when you're judging a move strictly Mm -hmm. from a baseball perspective. Still, even without considering the other stuff, he's going to be 35. Is the juice worth the squeeze considering what they already have there in the bullpen, considering it's a one-year deal, all that stuff? I still think there is a world where he does play well and the Royals get something for him. Then in retrospect, you're like, yeah, it was worth it. Of course it was. There's also a world where he stinks up the joint, kind of flames out, or something happens where you know he doesn't show up to something or doesn't get along with somebody or disrupts the culture in the clubhouse early on or something like that. Mm-hmm. It can go two very different ways. I don't think there's a world where he's just kind of okay and plays throughout the year and then leaves, that'd be a very forgettable way for a high-profile player to experience one of probably the last years of his career. Um, I thought it was uh, kind of like a, not a joke, but it seemed almost fake when when that report came out that was like, hey, Mm -hmm. and that guy, he is, credit to him, he's had, he's hit on stuff before. So I like wasn't discrediting him, but I was like, that's weird. Like the Royals, why do they want to enter in the Aroldis Chapman? sweepstakes even if he's not the Chapman of old it's mm-hmm. a random yeah, move no. I think it can produce some value but still it is worth questioning is that juice worth the squeeze regardless of how he does right now it's worth questioning and people the, the want to say up. people want to say he's washed up he averaged 97.5 miles per hour in his fast I was just about to get to that yeah yeah, it's not 101, not 103, like we kind of know a role as Chapman to do, but he hasn't averaged 100 mile an hour plus since 2017, and he still had plenty of productive years between then and now. So if you want to use the fastball velo as the reason he's washed up, you can miss me with that entirely. There are so few people in the Royals bullpen is not immune to the fact that they don't have guys that pump 97 on average. So I'm, I'm not interested if you're using fastball velo as the reason he's washed up. You want to use and to be fair, and spin maybe so. And, and to be fair, like pitching in the AL East is not good for any pitcher's ERA. Pitching in Yankee mm-hmm. Stadium a lot is not good for a lot of pitchers' ERA. Pitching in Kansas City, it could help. I mean, there there is that that side of it too. That bit pitching in a more pitcher friendly ballpark at the end of your career with diminished stuff. I put in massive air quotes because ninety nine being <laughs> diminished is hilarious. Completely maybe, washed. Maybe, yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> um, but no, it, it's going to be interesting. Uh, the usage is going to be interesting. It sounds like the Royals are going to give him the opportunity to close. Now, how long mm-hmm. that lasts is the the biggest question because you have you still have Dylan Coleman that can close. You have Amir Garrett that has closing experience. You have Scott Barlow that has closing experience. So if it goes downhill fast, 
You know, are you going to be able to keep him in a, a, a certain role on that one year deal and he doesn't get pissy? Well, that's the are, part are, of this. Are they going to have Scott Barlow with, with yeah. this? Like, if they're promising new chances to close, and like, I, I know that people have praised, um, not praised, I don't know why I used that word, reported that the Royals have praised the Scott Barlow ability to be like a fireman or whatever, like put out fires, come in, the relief and, phase, and mop yeah. stuff up, the relief phase. I, I don't buy that crap. I, I think the Royals, man, I think Scott Barlow's on the move, whether it's at the deadline or during the season. Maybe they told Chapman, hey, dude, get yourself back into baseball shape. If you're not, get yourself, you know, acquainted and acclimated and all that good stuff. We're going to give you chances to close at some point, whether it's in August and September when the leverage is, I guess it may not be as high for the Royals because of where they stand, but would be, you know, theoretically higher for a contending team or whatever. Maybe you want to showcase what you have for the year or on the flip side of that. Hey, we're working on something. This guy's going to be, you know, OUT you're going to have chances to, because we don't trust Dylan Coleman yet in that specific scenario, or, Hey, we want you to mentor Dylan Coleman while Scott Barlow is gone after he's traded. Then at the deadline, if you want to go to a contending team, we'll try to work something out and flip you. Obviously I don't think these conversations have like specifically been had in that way. I'm just thinking out loud. Um, Mm -hmm. Perhaps they do want to transition that. I know that I, I just think it seems now if I had to bet, on it that I would bet on Scott Barlow being traded. I don't know if it's like 60, 40 or 55, 45 or 80, 20, 70, 30, whatever it is. Um, But with this signing specifically and multiple mentions of him being a potential closer, it seems like the writing is on the wall and the Royals are like, Hey, like wink, wink, like Scott Barlow is not going to be here. I I could totally see that. And it would be very in peak Royals form to, not trade your best reliever at peak value, you know, when you yeah. should have done it a year ago. But yeah. hey, they they still did it, even if they maybe did it at the wrong time. There's also a report from Ken Rosenthal. We were reporting on Tuesday, come out Tuesday afternoon, that the White Sox are reportedly interested in Nicky Lopez, which again would be another trade in division. If you would trade it Nicky instead of Mondesi, I w- I'd probably get it. Because again, you kind of have a little bit of a log jam. You want to try and get Massey eating others at bats, but since they traded Mondesi, now you kind of have a hole a little bit. And Nikki is a really good utility infielder that's reliable, even if maybe not with the bat, but with the glove at least. You know you're going to get him in the lineup most days. I wouldn't move him now that they've traded Mondesi, just so you have one solid backup that you can rely on most days. What what do you think here? That that's that's where I'm at with it. Like I I'm not the biggest Nicky Lopez guy, but I also understand his value both in the clubhouse and on the field, and how important it is to have a guy like that in the organization. Yeah, man, I was gonna say his value to this team probably just as great off the field, or I guess off out of the lineup and and out of the defensive alignment as it is when he's out there. Because like with the bat. He came crashing back down to earth, and the people that were like, Nicky Lopez can be an everyday player were like, and, and I was one of those people, hey, you know, about that, like, Nicky Lopez, not an everyday player, even if you are on a bad team. Like, he, he can't do that. And that stands. Like, he's probably not. He is a really good, really valuable bench utility guy who also is a tremendous leader. He stepped up during the COVID thing. You had always heard. I I'd, had sp- uh, not spoken, interviewed Nicky Lopez back in – 
spring of I want to say it was my freshman year of college, so 2018, and knew then I was like, he he's a cool dude. When I was down at ASU, I was like, he is going to be a good leader. He is about it. He's about the grind. He is about being a good person. That just shined through. And now that he's in Kansas City, the Royals know it. They're doing. They're including him in promotions. And obviously, they had stuff with Whit Merrifield. Whit Merrifield ended up being traded. That stuff doesn't specifically. People are like, oh, well, there's a Nikki Bobby T-shirt bobblehead in you know mid July. Like nobody cares. That's not going to stop them from moving a player if they need to move him, especially a non-star. They're not going to trade Bobby Witt Jr. Despite the jokes that me and Josh have, but <laughs> Mondesi or not Mondesi Lopez. He can still be moved, and I don't know if he will be. Um, it was weird that the Michael A. Taylor thing everyone wrote off, and I wrote off in the article. I was like, well, it seems like you know, no indication that talks have resumed. The Royals pissed off the Twins. Um, they aren't interested anymore. Then a week later, they trade for him. So I, I don't know. This doesn't mean that necessarily they've had deep conversations about trading for Nicky Lopez. Maybe someone leaked it just on purpose. That's how stuff works. You get that little tidbit out to create a little bit of hubbub surrounding it. Um, the Royals aren't going to have a divided locker room now because Nicky Lopez is on team's radar to compliment to him and what he does bring to the table despite his shortcomings. Um, but I don't think it, it's weird that it's an intra-divisional team. And that's the second time in a couple weeks we've heard about that. Um, he'd be reunited with Pedro Cafal He'd be back on close to his home turf um, back in, in Chicago and Illinois. So it'd be good for him. Um, it'd be, you know, potentially good for the Royals, all things considered. But like Joel said, you're not counting on, you know, Nate Eaton to necessarily pan out to be that guy. I think eventually he could pan out to at least offensively surpass what Lopez can do. But then you have like Michael Garcia, you have guys they've signed in the offseason, Camargo, Matt Beatty, none of those necessarily big key long-term solutions that you can count on. You can count on Nicky Lopez being a good leader, being there, showing up, mostly staying healthy, playing good defense, stealing some bases. So um, there are reasons to trade him, but there's also plenty to keep him despite him not being that like everyday player. Unless we forget that this has kind of already happened with the White Sox a few weeks ago with Salvi. When they named Pedro Grafal the manager, it was like a week later there was a report talking about Pedro and Salvi are really close. Maybe they'd yeah. be interested in dealing for Salvi. It's weird that it's coming up once again. Uh, the other part about this is it's an interesting coincidental time that uh, that these kind of spike because that Luis Arias trade to the, the Marlins happened this week with uh, Pablo Lopez and two different prospects going to the Twins, which is crazy considering where we thought the Pablo Lopez sweepstakes was going to look like uh, last year. Um, it's wild that Luis Arias not only got that deal done, but then got two more prospects on top of yeah. it. Uh, it's wild to think about that. But Nicky Lopez kind of diet Luis Arias. He's not going to be Arias at the plate whatsoever, but leadership intangibles and he's better defensively yeah you could get you could see a, a world where nikki does have more value than we are able to see we just saw that with their rise trade uh, is kind of where i'm pointing so if, if they do decide to deal nikki i would assume that it's going to be a large haul and a high price to go get him the other part about that is liam hendrix also has a big giant question mark on his back about what his, what his availability is going to be with his recent uh, cancer 
diagnosis. Yeah. So um, they could also need a bullpen piece. So let's put a bow on this and send them both Nikki Lopez and Scott Barlow to the White Sox for a massive haul and uh, and really, really do this massive. thing. Well, Define massive. Like what? What are you? I like not. I mean, we were okay, looking. Hold on. Realistic, not pipe dream. Like, cause we're not getting Colson Montgomery. I know we'll want. Right. You want that, but <laughs> um, they've got a, a young third baseman, Brian Ramos, that I that I am intrigued by. But he's in Double A, so it would not be a short term thing. Um, I've always, I don't. This might be in the pipe dream, but it also could work. Is Yon Mankata. I've always been a big Moncada guy. A lot of people are not going to be interested in that. He had a huge year two years ago and then just fell off the earth last year. So who knows? Maybe you get him in a room with Drew Saylor, uh, Darine, uh, Zumwalt, and they fix, his, fix him, get him to look at more pitches. He's kind of like Mondesi in that situation. Uh, but that could be a short-term fix at third base. They also get the Ramos kid. And and maybe this that Jake Berger who uh, who does nothing but hit? He doesn't have any defensive home, but he would be a lot of fun uh, from the right side. So um, three options there, but we all know that it's going to be a left-handed reliever. I think if we've learned anything, <laughs> so it's just going to be seven left-handed relievers for those two. Garrett Crochet. Okay, I think we're. I think we might be in lofty her. expectations, but Barlow. <laughs> I mean, who knows? And it's coming off TJ. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's just something right, to yeah. mull over in the coming weeks, I think. Yeah. I I I would I don't think it's going to happen, but if Rosenthal's no. reporting it, there's smoke around it. Sure. So it'll be interesting to follow over the next week or two. Um but then again the Michael e. Taylor thing kind of fizzled out and then popped right back up out of nowhere. So yeah, sure. Who knows? Did. Yep. I have one more topic that can go extremely quickly but something that i muted my mic to listen to and wanted to share um this probably won't surprise many people but i was just um, a little bit intrigued by it um mj melendez was on i think it was cody and gold yesterday the clip came out today um, asked about like his off season what he's been doing he mentioned at the very beginning like hey i'm available to catch and at the end he was like i still need to be ready everything in between was outfield I've been working on my jumps. I've been working on turning and going after the ball, been working on everything in the outfield. It seems like, and actions speak louder than words, but if he's the one saying that and the Royals aren't telling him, hey, I don't think they gain a competitive advantage by on January 23rd telling MJ Melendez he has to pitch MLB on him playing outfield in 2023. Mm. That's not a big deal. Um, I think that he's going to be playing a lot of left field this season, which wasn't a foregone conclusion. Um, He was more promising out there than he was behind the plate. And I know that the future of catching and also the sample size and his athletic profile were reasons to uh, not abandon that experiment. The emergence of Freddie Furman could be another reason that, you know, maybe they do partially abandon it. They could go after another backup catcher if they wanted to long road to a short path again, um, it seems like MJ Melendez is going to be playing a lot of left field for the Royals. And I don't think personally that that's a very bad decision. Yeah, I think that's perfectly fair. I, that's kind of what I, I was kind of operating under the assumption that that was going to be case for 2023, 24. We'll see what happens with Salvia as far as yeah. health and, and stuff goes. The, the two things that I wanted to bring up, 
kind of putting a bow on the whole thing, the all direct acquisitions that we've had, they've all been good strikeout guys that cannot control anything. And there was plenty of those guys from top to bottom of this organization last year, Alec Marsh, Asa Lacey, all these guys, electric stuff, can't put it over across the plate. So tells me that they're either casting a very wide net to try to figure out at least some of these guys to harness their electric stuff and to put it over the plate, put it together and become something. And they get maybe two or three out of these guys to actually become dudes, or they're very confident in being able to remedy these command issues. And they are going to hit on every one and the whole thing gets turned around overnight. I don't see that happening though. (laughs) I'm just saying they all have the same thing in common. So it's very interesting. It, it does actually seem like it's a direction on this pitching performance and, and development. They have a direction. They have a common enemy, and they are having a plan to go and fight that enemy, and I am here for that. And the other part is all these things said and done, we think that that puts the team payroll around $79 million. JJ said today that he'd probably operate somewhere between 85 and 90 you take another move like a Barlow trade or a Dozier trade, and you're probably looking at a Zach Greinke or another veteran yeah. or veteran starter, maybe some infield depth, and uh, it's go time. So I'm I'm very pumped to see what's what's happening the rest of the way uh, before spring training, which is in about a month, right? We got about a month. Yeah, no, it's coming up, dude. Um, and JJ again to to bring up his presser again, the Zoom call again. He mentioned infield depth um, as something. He he was like, the the roster is not completely done between now and spring training. They're going to do something to add or subtract. I really think they have another move, whether it's a trade or free agent signing or both. Mm-hmm. The Zach Greinke stuff, it's weird that people went from, oh, he's definitely coming back to baseball and it's going to be in Kansas City to, well, he's going to come back, but like maybe not to, well, the Royals and him are far apart, but... Every step of the way, it's been the Royals. It hasn't been any yep. other team. Nobody else. Odd. Yeah, nobody else has been like, oh, well, Zach Greinke, you know, there's a, a decent chance that he goes to this team. Mm-hmm. Whether him and the Royals have been far apart or not, notwithstanding, it's always been Kansas City. So I don't know if he ends up coming back and that, you know, somebody gets hurt and that solves itself. It's not like if the Royals had him, they're doomed in terms of offering up innings, but it wouldn't hurt. I also see that aside from people having sentimental value a one year of 39 year old Zach green, he doesn't make the most sense in the world, but right. I still yeah. think if they want to shell out that money, they could do much worse than bringing him back for another year. 100%. I, I will say like, I, if they bring back Zach Grinky, like that's fine, but people acting like bringing back a 39 year old Zach Grinky makes or breaks this off season. And the Royals are being cheap for not bringing him back. Like guys, this isn't prime Zach Grinky. Zach Grinky was, fine last year but can you expect him to be better than he was last year no so it it wouldn't hurt to bring him back but i also don't think it helps a ton either like it's just sentimental it's nostalgic it's him on the 18th hole of his career but what does that do for you like i understand that you want to win and you feel like zach rinky helps you do that but it takes away innings from putting chris bubich or john heasley or daniel lynch or if you want to put alec marsh in there um, other guys, you know, pop up and have on Hill Zerpa. Like those guys need the innings more than Zach Grinky does. And I know it may hurt, and those guys may take it on the chin, but I'd rather watch those guys than Zach Grinky 
I just I would. We got the it, we got the nostalgia victory lap. We got that last year. Yes, it was awesome. Yes, this would just be this might take it a step too far. And if he's awful, like what is it? What is it doing for you? And it's gonna sour things. It's kind of like remember walking when walking Soria came back. He had that one oh, solid year, and then he was god awful. Now, mm-hmm. And now people like don't look fondly on the walking Soria thing, and it's like ugh, Wade Davis. Brought him back after he was terrible in Colorado. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, why? Like, mm-hmm. at a certain point, man, I think, like, if there's no other option and the only team Zach Grinky wants to play for is the Royals, okay. Like, he's a Hall of Famer. Maybe this increases the chance that he put, wears a KC on his cap when he goes in the Hall of Fame. Like, yeah. okay. Or bring him back in, like, some, like... I think he'd be the most hilarious pitching advisor of all time, but <laughs> put him in like some sort of like coach player role and start him once every eighth day or something just to throw him out there. If you really want to, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, there are about five other dudes I'd rather see get innings in Zach Greinke. I think that's fair. Yeah. But I think, it, yeah, go ahead, Josh. All, I think, just the last thing, none of these moves I think are moving the needle in a 2023 state. No, it's all about all. like 2024. Uh, and that includes Roldis Chapman. Um, because I don't, I mean, he's not going to have a good year and then be a royal for three more years after this. So I think whatever like his success means more success in the prospect package you get for the trade, yep. or maybe there's some guidance that he might be able to bestow on some of these like crews or some of these other guys that are trying to figure out their command issues. Maybe he has something insightful to say about that. Who knows? I, I, I'm highly not betting on it, but I mean, you just never know what kind of long-term help he could be. I mean, Trevor Rosenthal more or less fixed Josh Stama. So you never know where the influence is going to come good or bad. Uh, I'm just saying that none of these moves are going to be moving the needle in 2023. It's going to be another development year. Uh, hater love it it is what it is yeah um and this year you mentioned development this is going to be the year that people really really wanted 2022 to be but if you took a look from a bird's eye view with the guys they had on the roster it just wasn't really feasible until they made some moves and and cut some dead weight now they have that fat trimmed now they can actually do that like it's going to be a rough year I don't anticipate them winning 80 games. I don't anticipate them being 500. I don't even know if they're going to get to 75, but I don't think they lose 100 games. I think they have some exciting moments. I think as it stands right now, the roster makes a lot more sense at the big league level. The 40-man roster, the moves they made make more sense. J.J. Piccolo and his M.O. make more sense than Dayton Moore did. Um, Matt Quicharo and his staff make more sense. It, it Again, and everything we've talked about, who knows what it's going to be like <clears throat> one month from now, six months from now, 12 months from now, but there is at least some semblance of direction for the Royals and they haven't always had that. <laughs> and at least yeah. it's new. That's the key um, word. Yes. And whether it flames out, you know, this could totally blow up in their faces. They could lose Bobby Witt Jr. Vinny Pasquantino could move on. He's talked about how much he wants to win all that stuff. You know, I'm not trying to be a Debbie downer. It could all flame out and blow up in their faces, but there's also a chance that it works out. And with the last kind of setup they had there, there wasn't really a chance it was going to work out. We actually have a direction for what feels like the first time in year, like since 2015, like we knew the Royals were going to be good that year. 
And like we knew that that, that was like the last time that I feel like there was any sort of like optimism for the future of the season. Like maybe 16, I guess, but everyone, everyone kind of knew 2017 was going to be whatever. But I'm just glad that there's at least something there. And I, I believe that they were at least going to take that step last year. Totally dead wrong, and I'll own that. But this year, I firmly believe that. I know a lot of people think the team is going to be awful. I don't think they're going to be awful. I think they actually have a competent coaching staff in place that is going to put guys in the best position to succeed. And we're going to see the young guys take that step. And we'll, we'll go from there. And I'm, I'm glad at least that they're telling us, hey, this might be kind of rough, but this is what we're going to have to do in order to get where we want to be. And I pr- appreciate that candor over hey we're 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 not rebuilding we're we're competing we're always trying to get win this division when you were never going to do it like i i appreciate the like at least just being honest like it's honest it's more transparent and i think it's actually going to end up leading to more success rather than trying to sell everyone on snake oil like it just i'm i'm happy for that at least yeah well, thanks everyone for listening to this episode. Uh, we'll hopefully have something for you by the middle of next month with spring training getting underway. Uh, pitchers and catchers are reporting very soon. So uh, baseball season's right around the corner. I know that we're in the throes of the end of the football season, but baseball's right there too. I uh, hope this helps get you through these next couple of weeks and we'll talk to you all soon. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.